0: You don't have to. <laughs> <laughs> the big one it does, has some money. Nobody already. took the big one. Nobody <laughs> took a grasshopper. I think it has more taste, but it <laughs> can't. I can't. <laughs> this is the ETH podcast. Today, not only for your ears, but also for your taste buds. My name is Jennifer Kakshuri, and let me begin with a confession. Whenever there's a cricket, a grasshopper, or a worm near me, I get a bit nervous. And it's just the way it is. No matter if they're dead or alive, I'm a bit disgusted, and at the same time, I'm also ashamed of being disgusted. Now, it's a bit of a challenge for me to hold a jar of crickets, grasshoppers, and flower worms, but they're in a jar in my hand as a snack. Can we disturb you quickly? We're from the ETH podcast. I'm the host of the podcast. Uh, He's the producer. Hi. hi. And we, our newest episode is going to be about new foods. New foods. New foods. And we have new foods in here. And we wanted to ask you if you would try. What kind of food is that? Is it new foods? New foods? It's special. It's special? What is made of? Oh, no, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> is that words? Oh.
1: <laughs> exactly what I thought. <laughs> I'm Christina Hartmann. I'm working at the Consumer Behaviour Group. They are dead, aren't they? They're
0: all dead. Oh, very good.
1: And my research is dedicated to nutritional psychology and I research factors that are associated with food oh acceptance God. or rejection.
2: Yeah, My name is Alexander Mattes and I'm an assistant professor in the Sustainable Food Processing Laboratory here at ETH Zurich. And we are focusing on alternative plant sources from microalgae and alternative animal sources from insects for more sustainable food system solutions.
0: We're speaking about new foods today in the ETH podcast, and I wanted to ask you if you would try one or a few. Sure.
3: Hey, they're talking about us. Hello. We're in the jar on the table in front of these humans. No worries. We're not alive anymore.
2: The grasshoppers are always best.
1: Okay, I go for the meal warm. Mm-hmm. So I'm a little bit afraid that they stick in my In your throat? In my throat, yes.
2: Well, it's a bit dry. But the best is the grasshopper if it's grilled. It's really nice.
0: Can you chew closer to the microphone?
2: It's crickets, yeah.
1: Sorry, but I don't like it. <laughs> and why not? It's it's so dry and it's a strange taste and I need some kind of sauce or dip or something to make it a little bit more appealing in the mouth. And you, Alexander Matis?
2: Yeah, I, um, I think it's fine. It's a little snack, but of course, normally we consume food not just dried. So we have a formulation, we have a sauce, you know, it's a composition maybe with some uh, nice snacking sauce or so on, and then it's absolutely fine. But yeah, I don't mind. It's nice.
0: (laughs) And do both of you remember the very first time you ate a cricket or a grasshopper or a worm?
1: So my first unprocessed insect, to be honest, I had this half a year ago, but my first products were based on processed insects like tortilla chips with insect flour, so that you cannot see the whole insect. And your first insect?
2: Yeah, I guess uh, as we know in milling that we already consume mealworms, you know, by accident maybe. Uh, you can't really avoid it sometimes. There, yeah. but my first insect I was eating when I was thirteen. It was a bet with my friends. So and a was, bet about what? Well, well, they said I won't do it, and then I said, well, I do it. Why well, I don't have a problem with that.
0: And was that the beginning of what you do today?
2: No, not really. Uh, I think I grew up on a farm, so for me, the topic food was very close and I had animals, so I was very close to my animals and I've seen how they grow up. For me, it was very natural also to to eat an insect somehow. But the research came really more from the needs which we have in our food system and our sustainability assessments, which really showed we have to act now to really uh, change the situation there. (laughs)
3: You can eat as crawly creatures as a crunchy snack. Mm, nom, nom, nom. We're healthy for you, high in protein, low in fat, no sugars. In Switzerland, you can buy us at large grocery stores in bags, dried without any flavoring. You can also enjoy us seasoned in a container in a mix with nuts. <laughs> we also come in protein bars, as flour and crackers, or somewhat as a chunky burger.
0: Alexander Matis from ETH said the environment and more sustainable food systems are reasons that make insects and plants interesting as sources, for people as well as for animals.
2: The whole topic in general, insects, was already um, the focus of my interest since many years because it's a highly underestimated source for alternative food and feed products. I started more from the point that insects can consume organic waste, to high-value protein and fats. And here we have a lot of questions regarding safety, uh, regarding acceptance also to the consumers, even if it's a farmer which would need to feed uh, its animal with that uh, insects. Using organic waste is a topic of high relevance because we uh, produce a lot of organic waste and the highest priority, of course, in that framework should be to avoid to produce waste in general. But if we can't avoid it, then insects can really build an interesting solution to use that organic waste to produce these proteins and fats, which can be used for feed, but also for food, if we can guarantee the safety of these food products.
0: What's your relation, your work together with these animals, with the insects I'm very interested in food
1: acceptance and novel food acceptance and what factors determine whether people are willing to eat something or reject it. And a couple of years ago, this insect topic came up and uh, we started to do research related to acceptance of insects as food for the consumer. So my career in the insect business started.
0: Can you tell me why I'm disgusted? I was not able to try one of the insects that I brought in today.
1: Um, Yeah, probably it's something that's unfamiliar to you. And in our culture, in Europe, it's not um, normal or even socially accepted to eat insects. And that's a very important factor that leads to disgust so that people feel disgusted. And also when we are children, for example... We learn what we consider disgusting, what we consider acceptable, and insects are very often introduced like something don't put it in your mouth, don't touch it, throw it away. So that when you are a child, you are already somehow, or um, that there is this negative relationship with insects. It starts in childhood, and as an adult, is there the disgust emotion, and it's um, very difficult to overcome this disgust.
0: I react emotionally with these insects. It takes a lot for me to watch people eat them. It's totally irrational, I know. When I grew up, we actually had a garden and I wasn't afraid of spiders, worms or grasshoppers. I actually found grasshoppers quite pretty. And my sister and I would even have contests with rainworms. Who was quicker? I have no idea when this all changed and now I'm so disgusted. Is it possible to
1: overcome the disgust? Yes, you can, for example, try to make the um, disgust elicitors like the legs, the wings not visible. So you process the insect and then you can make a product that does not remind people on the insect origin and then they are more willing to eat it. But still, when you tell people um, yeah, th- this is an insect burger or something, um, a lot of people would probably refuse it.
0: This is in Europe and North America that we are not accustomed to eating other animals but cows, chicken, pigs and whatever else belongs to the traditional carnivore cuisine. But in countries such as China, Mexico, Nigeria, it's totally common to eat roasted grasshoppers, fried cicadas or caterpillars. So what are the benefits of eating insects? Why do people promote them nowadays? Why do you research on it also to make edible insects?
2: Yeah, I guess one big benefit of insects is they are cold-blooded and they are quite efficient in converting feed into body mass. They are small animals. You can rear them in a quite effective way also. So the overall benefits are around sustainability. However, we have to be careful here because a lot of people or organizations say, okay, that is more sustainable or we are sustainable. So sustainability is a quite often misused term. So, Can you s-
0: explain it, the sustainability? Does it have to do with how um, cows are being held and, and the masses of animals that have to be hmm. held together so that we can eat meat?
2: Yeah, so sustainability has three dimensions. We know the environmental dimension of sustainability and that is linked to analysis from which we also do here at ETH, for example, which are called life cycle assessment. So we calculate the CO2 footprint, we calculate how much water is used. So that is the environmental dimension of sustainability. We have uh, another one, the economic dimension, and that is, for example, linked are these products later on affordable, for example.
0: They're very expensive at the moment.
2: Currently, they are expensive because it's a very new solution currently on the market. It's a very early stage of the innovation cycle. And that is, by the way, the case for any innovation in the beginning, that it's more costly. And when we improve the solution, we call it technology readiness level and scale it later on then we can definitely also reduce the cost per kilogram, for example. And that is very natural. We have that with almost any innovation. So the current uh, situation is just representing this early stage of the innovation cycle. And the solution is also not highly optimized yet. And we don't have a scale. Just compare it with soy or with the other animal production systems, which are huge, by far too huge, by the way, from my point of view, we um, currently grow more than one billion beef or 18 billion chicken in the world.
0: What? One billion cows are being bred and 18 billion chickens? And due to the growing global population, more are to be bred? Wow.
3: We're also a handful, by the way. But we don't take up as much space and produce different kind of waste.
0: But back to the 18,000 million chickens and 1,000 million cows as Alexander Mattis
2: mentioned before. That makes no sense for me. That is not sustainable.
0: So the consumption is
2: much too high. I think. We all need to feed these animals and we feed them quite often with food-related material. And uh, it's, a, from my point of view, inefficient biotransformation from uh, plant-based material into animal-based material. But just to conclude, the third dimension of sustainability is a social one. And that is one of the most difficult ones to quantify, Because that includes health, for example, that includes nutrition, and that includes all the social aspects, which are linked, for example, also to animal welfare.
3: Don't you guys care about us? We are animals, and maybe we have souls. Well, okay, our eyes aren't as sad as the eyes of a cow's. We aren't as cute as pigs, and probably cows and pigs suffer a lot more when slaughtered.
0: Do insects suffer less when they're killed?
2: Insects have a very simple nervous system, uh, not a central nervous system. So we did first investigations on this topic. A lot of people forget when they are excited about insects. In the end, we need to kill this animal. We do that in biocontrol in uh, very mean ways, by the way, and where they suffer a lot by sticky plates, for example, and so on or by even um, viruses against insects, which are biocontrol systems. When we grow insects in a factory, we need to consider animal welfare regulation, especially in Switzerland, where we have a biocentric ethic, even in the law. So we investigated the hormone concentration in insects, specifically in black soldier fly larvae, which are our system to grow insect-based feed. And we found out that there is a certain way to have the most gentle killing methodology if we consider certain aspects, for example, cooling them down and then uh, kill them in a, in a specific way, to have the lowest uh, stress-related hormone concentration. And this we've done with the insect uh, experts, which are called entomologists uh, at ETH Zurich, here, um, and published also the study.
0: So, Christina Hartmann, if I understood correctly, you're on the more practical side or on the practical end of the research that Alexander Mattis does. What do you think does it take that people will be less tense or that it won't just be a kick of eating insects?
1: Yeah, it's very difficult to establish insects as a very stable part of our diet. But there are some things that can be done in order to make people more familiar with eating insects and eating-based dishes. Like, for example, what I already said, the um, processing decree plays a huge role. You have to create positive eating experiences, also social situations, so that people eat it together, that maybe in a certain atmosphere, not alone at home that you give people ideas what they can do with these insects, what kind of dishes they can cook. So marketing, more or less. Yes, yes. you have to show people what's the value of eating insects, and you have to somehow overcome this barrier of rejection of the unfamiliar. And you do that by creating positive eating experiences. And people have to get in contact with the food several times until they start to accepted or even included in their daily diet.
0: So if I understood correctly, on the one hand, we're trying to decrease the meat consumption of the people. And on the other hand, we're trying to find alternatives to feed the animals that we actually eat or that we consume. But wouldn't there be other alternatives than creating new living animals? I mean, you, you already said that there are plants that you're actually researching on. Aren't there easier ways to decrease the meat consumption and the meat production?
2: Insects are one part of a very complex solution. If we want to decrease meat consumption, this is a huge challenge. Um, Currently, especially in uh, some uh, developing countries also with uh, increasing GDP, we have also an increasing meat consumption. This is a development which we we need to work on that is not healthy for our planet and environment. So what can we do? We can suggest alternative animal sources, but we can also suggest alternative plant-based, protein-rich food products. And we have already many on the market, soy-based, pea-based products. But here we have also other alternative plant sources, and that uh, is a huge group, uh, which we can consider a single-cell system, uh, microalgae. And mycoalgae are a huge group, which are currently not really considered for our global food systems. We just use chlorel or spirulina mycoalgae for very niche products, from my point of view. But they can have up to 70% of protein in dry matter. So uh, we have here a system which is highly efficient, single cell system, which can grow in reactors or in open pond systems and can produce a complete protein, means all essential amino acids are included. And this could be used to produce protein-rich food products, food products which are very uh, comparable to meat uh, products.
0: If if we make people more sensitive about the environmental and health and all of the issues that we talked about, do you think in 10 years we will have um, insects in our cornflakes and not even think about it anymore?
1: No, I don't think so. And um, I think it, it shouldn't be the goal to include insects just everywhere. Um, I guess um, in ten years we will have more and better, or equally good alternatives. So the diversity of meat replacement products will increase for sure. I guess insect products will stay some kind of a niche product, but still might find their place. But I don't think that everyone will eat insects in 10 years.
0: <laughs> what do you think?
2: Yeah, again, here I would also bring in the regional aspect. It's not my goal to include insects in any product here in Europe, but we have a huge potential outside Europe to integrate insects as alternative protein source in, in different product categories. However, we should always double check, is there any better alternative? Maybe from the plant side, maybe mycoalgae protein is quite often better. Uh, But sometimes we won't need to have animal protein, then insects are the most sustainable source here. And for Europe, I also think we will have better products on the market with a lower cost per product because we could uh, optimize the system and also scale it. And therefore, I'm looking in a very optimistic way into the future here. But we should always link it to our global challenges and our diverse toolbox, which we have in food science Insects are not the only solution. They can bring in a lot of interesting benefits, but we always need to value pro and cons for the individual products and then we can really play all the strengths of this specific system into the market, I think.
3: Yeah, thanks for talking about us. And we're happy that sometimes people don't bite our heads off. But we do hope that in the future, some of us will be landing on your plates.
1: I always thought about that trying that as an alternative but yeah it, it, it takes a lot to try it
0: Alexander Matis and Christina Hartmann were my guests here at the ETH main building in the studio my name is Jennifer Kakshori. I produced this podcast together with Tis Vachta's audio story lab music and mastering Luki Fretz
3: and the insects spoken by me
0: Please subscribe to us so that you never miss an episode of the ETH podcast. Mm -hmm. Thanks for listening.